0: You are dead center of the greatest scientific
1: event in the history of man. Hello. Hi. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Does Ava actually like you? Or is she just pretending to like you? Why did you give her sexuality? Are you attracted to me? This is your insecurity talking.
0: I shouldn't trust him. We talk about the lies you've been spinning me. You have to help me. Who is the real past? You. Ava! Ex Machina. Ex
1: Welcome to the House of Cinema podcast, and in the house today, we are continuing our A24 April, and actually ending A24 April. Today's discussion will be on Ex Machina, and joining me today once again is Dylan from Cinema Nation on TikTok. Dylan, how are you feeling going into today's episode on the 2014 sci-fi movie Ex Machina?
0: Well, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me again and so soon. I'm happy to be back and I'm very excited. I love this movie and I love talking about it. So um, I'm feeling really
1: pumped. When's the last time you watched Ex Machina besides preparing for this episode?
0: It was actually a few years ago. Um, I would say at least two years ago. So it's been a while. So it was really nice revisiting it.
1: Same here. I feel like I hadn't watched this movie for at least four or five years. I mean, we're in 2021, came out in 2014. I, I did not see it in theaters. I saw it at home.
0: Yeah, I didn't see it in theaters either.
1: Yeah, I feel like I, I heard about it coming out in theaters. But I just, I don't know, I didn't go see
0: it. It was the kind of movie that I definitely watched the trailer for on YouTube and was like, oh, that seems interesting but didn't really think about after until I had heard some buzz about it. And then, you know, I ended up watching it you know, on, on demand, I think.
1: Yeah. Same here. I don't know if I watched it on demand or I rented it. I can't remember. I watched it. I loved it. And now I think I'm watching it now for about the third time. I only revisited it. Maybe, maybe like in 2018, one more time. I'm glad we are talking about it because I forgot how great this movie is, man. it It is so good. I feel like not enough people talk about it, but I guess that's why we're doing an episode on it, so we could talk about it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a movie you could talk about for some time.
1: Yes, and then I know we'll be talking a lot about Alex Garland and sci-fi in general, so let's jump into Ex Machina.
0: And now, our feature presentation.
1: As I mentioned, uh, released uh, April 10th of 2015. I said 2014 earlier. It actually came out in 2015, although it was released in a festival in 2014. Directed by Alex Garland. Alex Garland wrote 28 Days Later, Sunshine and Dread, three movies I love. Uh, This is his directorial debut. He also wrote this movie. This was nominated for Best Screenplay, nominated for Best Visual Effects. Alex Garland went on to direct Annihilation in 2018, which we'll probably talk about later. He also is the creator of Devs on Hulu, which I have not seen. Have you seen Devs?
0: No, it's actually something I did see the trailer for and said maybe I'd watch that. But I haven't, and I actually haven't heard anything <laughs> about it since. So I'm guessing it hasn't been on for long, or maybe it was canceled. I haven't heard about it in a while.
1: I, so I also remember it coming out, and it being kind of a big thing. Like, oh, Alex Garland's devs coming out on Hulu. And I remember being excited, because I obviously liked uh, Ex Machina, and I enjoyed Annihilation. So I was like, oh, I would totally watch devs. And then I totally didn't watch devs, and... I ha also haven't really heard much about it anymore, so who knows if it's still going on. Maybe it was like a miniseries, so it doesn't need to go on.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I remember the trailer for sure, and I remember thinking it was interesting, but it is definitely something I couldn't really tell you about. Like other oh, yeah. than the fact Same that here. Alex Garland was involved.
1: <laughs> Same here. I could not tell you what it's about, what it involves or anything. I just know Alex Garland's in it. And I think um Nick Offerman's in it, so Ron Swanson's in it. I don't know. I haven't watched Devs, but I heard good things. Maybe I'll watch it eventually. But that's Alex Garland, a quick summary of who he is. The cast of this movie, pretty small. Only I really only wrote down like four people here. Dom Hall Gleason plays Caleb Smith. Oscar Isaac plays Nathan Bateman, the CEO of Blue Book, which is an internet search engine in this uh, version of the world. What are your thoughts on Blue Book as the name of a search engine? Instead of Google, we have Blue Book it's
0: definitely strange and it sounds like it could be another name for google like if google before they became a company was like what names should we do you know what should our name be what should our brand name be blue book would seem like one of those names that would
1: be on the list it feels like a stand-in name for a better name because you know when you want search engines you want something quick something fast you know you bing google i mean it's not like anybody uses bing but yeah i i can't remember the last time i used bing <laughs> i don't think i've ever used bing unless like i was in a rush and i opened up internet explorer on accident and i had to use bing but i don't think any sane person uses bing maybe in an ironic way <laughs> maybe in an ironic way uh, alicia vikander plays ava uh the main artificial intelligence in the movie and then i wrote down sonoya mizuno as kyoko she's the in-house attendant um that basically has no lines but she does play a pretty important part in the movie that's basically the cast there's a few other people listed on wikipedia and imdb but they don't have lines or their role is kind of insignificant so i did not mention them
0: right the the four main people you mentioned are the core of it
1: yeah this is the core cast right here budget of 15 million dollars went on to gross 36.9 million dollars You know, last week we spoke about the five highest grossing A24 movies. And Ex Machina actually ranks at number six. So just outside the top five, but did very, very well for A24, which is kind of surprising. Uh, A24, this is, you know, 2015, 2014. is kind of in the infancy of A24. So kind of cool to see it do so well. One of the first
0: A24 movies that I remember hearing about and hearing the name A24 being associated with a movie is what I'm trying to say. And I had seen A24 movies before that, but that wasn't the reason why I was going to the movie theater. And I'd say that that was the first time people were like associating a movie as an A24 movie.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I feel roughly the same way. Like you, I'm sure I'd seen A24 movie before then, uh, before Ex Machina, but this felt like, oh, it's A24, they're starting to kind of catch their stride a little bit and have an association with specific kinds of movies. So, it definitely made a lot of money, considering it was a smaller budget, you know, independent type film. Rotten Tomatoes score? Critics, 92%. Audience score, 86%. The Consensus. Ex Machina leans heavier on ideas than effects, but it's still a visually polished piece of work and an uncommonly engaging sci-fi feature. Dylan, what are your immediate uh, thoughts on this consensus and the two scores? So unlike what we talked about last week,
0: where Uncut Gems, I believe, had a score of 91%, and the audience score was 52%, which is a (laughs) huge, huge difference. One of the biggest I've seen on Rotten Tomatoes. That's like Last Jedi-level difference.
1: (laughs) It is. That's a really good comparison. Wow. I think
0: the two scores being closer to each other this time and being very much in within the same realm i'd say 92 percent and 86 are very close so i would say it's kind of unanimous that this is one of a24's most pleasing movies
1: i would uh definitely agree with that one of their more pleasing movies or one of the more movies that everybody can kind of just agree on
0: get behind almost yeah
1: get behind and say this is a just a stellar sci-fi movie. Right. If you're a fan of sci-fi, you're going to like Ex Machina.
0: Yeah, and I agree with what Rotten Tomatoes says. It definitely is more of a conceptual movie that rather would focus on themes and ideas that it presents rather than just stuffing crazy CGI action sequences that a lot of sci-fi movies do today to catch people's attention.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why myself, maybe you, and maybe a lot of people... Tend to really gravitate towards this movie is because its ideas are definitely something that sticks out more than other sci-fi films, where you know other sci-fi films may rely more on visuals. Uh, this one has great visuals, don't get us wrong, but the ideas behind what's going on is is pretty uh pretty fantastic and thought provoking. So that's why I, I tend to love it. But we'll get more into the Rotten Tomato scores uh, in a later section. Let's jump into the more you know. I wrote down a couple facts here. I know you have a couple facts. Let me start us off real quick. Fact number one. As I mentioned before, Ex Machina was a recipient of the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, which was made only on a budget of $15 million. And it beat out the following movies. The Revenant, $135 million. Mad Max Fury Road, 150 million dollars. Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, 200 million dollars. So this movie had a fraction of all of these budgets and still took home the Academy Award for visual effects.
0: Just goes to show that you don't need flashy CGI sequences to tell a compelling story. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to relate this to Marvel, which (laughs) I feel like people are really tired of, but... It is something I think is a relevant point where a lot of people were watching WandaVision and were really loving the conceptual stuff the show was doing. And then they felt like it was very weird to end it with a CGI battle. And I agree with that because I don't think they needed the CGI battle. The story they were telling was already compelling enough to hold my attention and be invested in. So that's what I like about this movie. Where there's nothing crazy about it—no big explosions, no machine gun fights. It's very mm. simple, but it's what telling the story. It's telling that's what's complex, and that's really special.
1: What's another fact uh, that you have written down?
0: So something I thought was pretty neat was the fact that all three main characters have biblical names. Oh, so Ava. I, I'm going through, it, yeah. I?
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Ava is a form of the name Eve, Nathan was a prophet in the court of David, and Caleb was a spy sent from Moses to evaluate the promised land.
1: Oh, see, I did not know this. Look at that. Adding another layer to this movie that I didn't even realize.
0: Yeah, there are some pretty heavy biblical themes in this movie that are really interesting to think about.
1: Wow, you kind of like opened my mind now. So now my mind is just racing and thinking about everything I would just watched <laughs> and trying to relate it back to the Bible. Interesting, yeah. interesting. And okay, I'm
0: I'm not a religious person at all, but I do find comparing artificial intelligence to religion to be a pretty awesome thing to have a movie on.
1: It's it's interesting because it's a movie about science. And it's, you know, evoking a lot of biblical themes, which is, you know, there's like an age old battle between science and religion all the time. So uh, definitely a thought provoking fact that is kind of blowing my mind right now. So I'm trying to stay calm before. (laughs) So I don't like spend like I'm probably spent like three hours now Googling all these crazy theories and and, uh, analysis of uh, Ex Machina because of that. there are
0: some great YouTube videos to watch. Where they go through all these types of like biblical themes and ex machina that I definitely oh will send you after
1: we finish recording <laughs> this episode. Yeah, I'll probably be like at two in the morning texting you like, dude, <laughs> can you believe this connection? <laughs> yeah, it's
0: it was a mind blowing experience to watch those videos. And they were thoughts that I really wasn't having during the movie. So it's so interesting to get other people's perspectives on this film.
1: At this point in the podcast, people are pausing it and are, like, Googling, like, Bible connections in Ex Machina. And then hopefully they resume the podcast after they look it all up.
0: I have a few things written down.
1: (laughs) What's another fact that you have before I mention my last fact?
0: So this was the first time I saw Alex Garland as a director. But I really didn't realize that he's been involved in the film industry for quite some time, actually. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier, and I actually didn't know this, that he was the screenwriter for 28 Days Later, which is my favorite, one of my favorite horror films. And it was obviously directed by Danny Boyle. He didn't direct it. But that was in 2002. And like you said, Ex Machina was first released uh, worldwide in 2015. So he's had quite an interesting career that you know, didn't start at Ex Machina. And I feel like a lot of people thought it started at Ex Machina.
1: This is a great fact because, like you mentioned, he's been around for a very long time. He's a, a talented screenwriter. I, I believe he's also a novelist. He's written novels. Um, 28 Days Later, Like You, I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time as well. Uh, I also highly recommend Sunshine, which oh, is another... like. Yeah, so another great sci-fi movie directed by Danny Boyle, I believe. Uh, just like these movies are super original, super unique. They take concepts that we've kind of already familiar with, and then he just puts his own spin on it. So, you know, 28 Days Later takes, you know, a very common concept of the zombie, but puts it in a, in a very different light where they're kind of zombies, they're kind of not, and it's just so different from what we've seen before. Same with Sunshine. He did Dread, which I think Dread is incredibly underrated. Um, I love Dread. And then this movie, obviously wrote and directed this, a very common theme in the sense of AI and artificial intelligence, but puts a, a, you know his own Garland spin on it. So a very talented writer uh, that's been around for quite some time.
0: I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think this dude likes sci-fi.
1: <laughs> uh, I think he does. I think he does. I don't know what his new movie coming out If it's sci-fi related, but considering that uh, this is sci-fi, Annihilation sci-fi, Devs is sci-fi, I think that's a pretty good uh, guess by you that he's a sci-fi fan. My last fact, I had you go twice because my last fact is so, I guess, dumb. Dumb is the right word. There's like no depth to this. This is the most, I've never written a fact like this down because it's the most like gossipy magazine fact I've ever written down, but... (laughs) I wrote down that, did you know Alicia Vikander is married to Michael Fassbender?
0: I actually did know that. I
1: did not know that. Well, don't ask me like how I do know that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to my fiance after I wrote my notes. I was like, hey, do you know Alicia Vikander is married to Michael Fassbender? She's like, yeah. And I just feel like I'm out of the loop. Maybe I didn't know that or I wasn't paying attention enough uh, to E! News or something. But I had no idea they were married. And obviously, Michael Fassbender is a huge movie star, and I just think it's crazy. There's two insanely powerful Hollywood stars, and both very attractive. They're married. I don't know. I read it, and it blew my mind, so I wrote it down. I
0: think I was (laughs) probably... I I have to say, I think the way I found out about it was I was either in like a grocery store or Target, and I I saw a tabloid with them in it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, huh, that's interesting.
1: I feel like I just... I don't know how I missed that. I don't know how long they've been married for, but I just feel like, I don't know why I didn't know that. Well, anyways, that's my most uh, superficial fact I've ever written down in a podcast ever, but it just blew my mind away almost as much as your fact about the biblical references, but uh, not as important. So.
0: Well, I don't know. I, I think they're just as important. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, they're important people, but their relationship was uh, just surprising to me. No, so. definitely. Well, we've talked a lot about uh, the movie and the facts about the movie. Let's jump into some of our favorite scenes of the movie. I'm going to start us off here. I'm going to admit to you first, I mean, every session that Caleb, Delamal Gleason's character, has with Ava is fantastic. You know, they're all labeled in the movie as like session one, session two, session three, four, five. Uh, Every session is great. I think if I'm going to pick one that really always sticks out to me, it's always going to be session one, and it's breaking the ice. So we need to break the ice. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. What do I mean?
0: Overcome initial social awkwardness.
1: So let's have a conversation. Okay.
0: What would you like to have a conversation about?
1: Why don't we start with you
0: telling me something about yourself? What would you like to know? Whatever comes into your head. Well, you already know my name. And you can see that I'm a machine. Would you like to know how old I am? Sure. I'm one. One what? One year or one day? One.
1: So I think what's impressive about this scene, it's mainly just because this is the first time we meet Ava, which to me was just a very memorable moment in not just this movie, but like kind of in sci-fi in the 2000s. I feel like, I didn't know what to expect. Half of the excitement I have when watching sci-fi movies is kind of, what is this director's or this writer's interpretation of, you know, AI or of, you know, space or of aliens. That's kind of the fun about sci-fi is it can go in any direction. And I think when I saw Ava for the first time, I was kind of blown away by the, you know, her, just her aesthetics, the way she looks because they did a really good job of, making her super feminine, but also mixing a lot of technology with it. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts about Ava, about this scene, uh, about AI in general in terms of movies?
0: So first of all, I will agree with you that Ava is one of the most interesting looking AI we've seen in a movie. So I think just looking at her for the first time is... Just an important scene, even of itself. You're introduced to this major character, and she looks the way she does with all those mechanical parts, but this very human face. It's very jarring to look at first, Mm -hmm. yeah. And when I'm thinking about the scene, and I know that I mentioned that there's a lot of biblical themes in this movie. First of all, again, I will say I am not a religious person, so I am not up to date on uh, the Bible or anything <laughs> same, like that. Same. So yeah,
1: we're in the same boat.
0: I could be botching this, but I did read that the seven sessions that Ava and Caleb have are a parallel to the seven days of creation.
1: Wow, you're blowing my mind. This podcast. <laughs> wow, I did not. I could not even make that that connection, but yeah, uh, it's a pretty
0: wow. crazy thing to think about <laughs> because that wasn't crossing my mind not when all. I watched it. And you know, again, I didn't—I've never read the Bible in my life, but I've at least heard of the seven days of creation. Same, so same. reading that was like, whoa, that is crazy <laughs> that they did that, and it just went over my mind. But, yeah, that's a really cool thing to think about when watching those scenes. And I guess Nathan is considered the god of this story. Yeah. So, watching his creation, Ava, interact with Caleb, especially for the first time, it's got some very religious parallels.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, you took it to a, a whole different level I was not prepared for, in, in the best way possible, in the best way possible. Um now I love this scene even more because of that. I, just, I I will never get over the feeling of first seeing Ava. I really do think it's such an impressive design. Where it's so, like you mentioned earlier, minimalistic, clean, simple, sterile. Like it's like it's such a unique design in and, and in sci-fi history. I feel like we're so used to seeing AI as, you know, either they're completely human and we don't know they're AI, or yeah. they're yeah, you know, they're too robotic and they're very like mechanical, and they look kind of like maybe steampunky or they just look—they have wires all over the place. But this is such a beautiful combination of the both that it just impresses me every single time I see it. I think what's
0: so scary about the concept of Ava is, yes, we know she's an AI from her body because all we see that looks like human is her face, but. If she were not to, if she, if those were not available to the human eye, she, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know passing her on the street.
1: But that's, yeah, I think the combination of taking what we've seen in the past, you know, like Blade Runner, where they're completely human, or, you know, and combining that with a little bit of technology, it's just such a cool combination of the two, and I I really like it. Well, that's one scene I like. I love all the sessions, and now I love them even more, because apparently they're, connected to potentially biblical themes that's even crazier to me but what's the one scene you want to talk about
0: okay so i think one scene that doesn't get enough credit and i wanted to rewatch it again today before we talked about it and i actually couldn't find it on youtube which was really disappointing because it's such a unique scene in the movie to me but it's when caleb dissects himself and It's not like it's not the normal type of dissection you think about, like seventh grade frogs and stuff. (laughs) Um, It's a very simple moment where he looks at himself in the mirror and he cuts into himself, his arm. And it was a moment where I was thinking, what is he doing? And then I realized he was doubting his existence. Yeah. He was wondering, am I just what Ava is, just, you know, more complex. You know, he starts to question if he's himself is a product of Nathan and his ability to create AI. And I think having... We've all had doubts about our souls and what makes us human, right? I think we've all had moments a little bit existential where we think about it and we wonder what makes me, me. Um, do we have a soul? You know, so on. Um, and I think, you know, I've definitely thought about what if reality is like, just like the matrix, uh, or, you know, a virtual reality or a construct made by another person. And those are very scary thoughts to have. And that is all amplified in that scene. He's not questioning his, Reality, like I related to in the Matrix, but he's questioning his creation. Is he human or is he AI? Yeah. And in that moment, I wasn't quite sure. I was wondering, is he AI? You know, I think it's pretty true that he's human. Uh, I don't think there's any argument about that. But the fact that the movie was able to get me to question his existence is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought this scene up because I agree with you completely underrated scene and like you when this scene was happening i thought to myself is he like looking for like a tracker in his arm does he have like something inside of him that he's trying to get out and then you realize that like you said he's just checking to see if he's human he's just checking to find out am i also an ai because ava is so complex she acts so human it's possible that he is also human and you know as viewers watching this movie easily we could have thought Oh, the twist is going to be that Caleb is also an AI. But this is like that moment that shows you, oh, no, no, he's, he's, he's very human. But it is just Caleb having this existential crisis where he's questioning, like you said, his creation and himself, which I think is a totally and completely normal thing to do in that situation. I try to put myself like in Caleb's position and I may not like cut into my wrist to find out right. if I have like wires or stuff inside me, but I might also question if I was human because I'm sitting there having like four or five sessions with this AI who is, you know, really human-like, and that I that Caleb is, you know, probably falling in love with. So yeah, he developed feelings. A super underrated scene, I think, has uh, a lot of subtext to it. So I'm glad you brought it up. I think that. You and I could probably talk about scenes in this movie, like every session, so many great scenes.
0: Yeah, every every frame
1: can be analyzed. Let's jump to a scene I think we both really love, and that's basically the ending. Uh, I have it marked at when Caleb admits to Nathan, yeah, man, I, I did everything, and she's going to get out, and then she does get out. Let me ask you something. Now, how is this plan going to go anyway? Because you didn't totally explain. So you're going to get me drunk... Steal my key card and reprogram the security protocols, but reprogram them to what?
0: To change the lockdown procedure. So, in the event of a power cut, instead of sealing, the door is all opened.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, that may have just worked. Well, we'll find out. What do you mean? I figured you were probably watching us during the power cuts. So I already did all those things. When I got you drunk yesterday.
1: It's, yeah, I like this is because it's kind of like a micro twist in the movie. The movie itself isn't like, like Emanite Shyamalan-esque twist where it's like a huge reveal at the end yeah. that, you know, like I said, there's no big reveal that Caleb's AI or that Nathan's AI. It's just, you know, you think that Nathan caught Caleb and who knows what's going to happen. But it turns out, you know, Caleb actually outsmarted Nathan and he did unlock all the doors. Um, This is quite the last 15 minutes. It is pretty intense. Uh, the music's great. I want to point that out. The music's pretty fantastic. The way Nathan dies, uh, the knife through the back, I have to just say this. The way the knife goes into Nathan both times, so smooth. It's like scary. It's like butter. I hate and it. I, I hate it too. It bothers me how like easy it is. He's stabbed, and it, like kind of weirds me out how easy it is he's stabbed.
0: It's crazy um, how mortal he is after yeah. being com- practically being compared to God the entire movie. He's this creator, and he is only human.
1: So, what are your thoughts on the ending? I- I- I'm Excited to hear what you feel about uh, this entire sequence.
0: So, I'm glad you brought up the stabbing scene. It's really shocking to see that scene on a rewatch. I didn't remember <laughs> I agree, how brutal it felt until I was seeing it again. And I just, it's talk about a weird thing to say, but it's one of my favorite death scenes.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. And
0: I just think it's so strange and creepy. It feels inhuman and cold and unfeeling. And I think that really matches with the vibe of the movie really well.
1: I have a, a good question for you. Might stump you a little bit, but sure. I'm curious to know your thoughts. Would you ever want to see an Ex Machina 2? And if you if you did want to see an Ex Machina 2, what do you think it would be about?
0: Okay, I this is a great question. And <laughs> I've actually thought of
1: it before. Okay, okay.
0: So, if X Machina 2 was made, I would like it to be a political thriller with sci-fi undertones.
1: Okay, wow.
0: Okay, You've so really I'll, thought about I'll, this. I'll elaborate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, please do.
0: So, we've seen many movies where artificial intelligence takes control over the world using force. And a, a prime example of this that comes to mind to me is Termin- the Terminator movies. And I don't know if you would necessarily consider... Arnold to be AI or what but I would consider Skynet to be at least artificial intelligence so we've seen that being done taken by force and it's interesting I'll admit it makes for some pretty cool action sequences and I love that about the Terminator movies but that really doesn't lend itself to what I felt Ex Machina was trying to say So I think it would be interesting if Ava was able to trick humanity into believing she's human and she runs for political
1: office. Wow. Interesting. Okay. She
0: would work her way up the political ladder and while doing this, she would manipulate those around her so that she's able to come into a position of power where she truly has a grasp over humanity.
1: Okay. Wow. Not the direction I would have taken it, but interesting nonetheless. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, if it's. Political I got roller. weird with it. <laughs> the West Wing ex Machina style. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting for sure. I was probably more on the lines of like, hmm, would the movie more revolve around Ava and like, would she try to have a family and would she try to help other AI? You know, rise up. Would she create AI? I don't know. Interesting.
0: Right, and. She could definitely do those things in this version of the movie I'm talking about. Like I said, I I wanted to have sci-fi undertones. I wanted to feel like it's a sequel to Ex Machina. But I would think it would be just so cool instead of like the normal way of defeating humans. Because I definitely felt like she had some angry feelings towards humanity. I don't know if you agree. I totally agree with that. At the end... It feels like, what is she going to do in the world? And <laughs> I would just love to see her blend in. Exactly like I was saying before, you wouldn't know who, she, what she was if you just passed her by. And at the end, she looks completely human. She has human skin and everything. So I think it would be just so interesting if she worked her way into American society, into the highest position of power, to have... The true role reversal of humanity being under AI instead of the other way around.
1: Wow, you should email Alex Garland. Like, hey Alex, (laughs) I have this idea. Ex Machina, too. She runs for pol uh, for politics and uh, a political role. Interesting. Interesting. Have we ever seen a a movie or a thing like that, a sci-fi political thriller? Be kind of interesting. Alex Garland, if you're listening. Uh, hit Dylan up. He has some ideas for X Machina 2. That would be an interesting, interesting take that I'm President in full of. <laughs> President Ava, uh, would she pick like a, a AI running mate, uh, like, a, like an OS system, or like Samantha from her or something?
0: Well, again, no one knows that. Oh, she, that's she's right. The secret. It's a secret. Yeah, so okay. I think it would be really cool that she had like this close knit circle of people, and you're like who. Who's the AI and who's not? And, Uh, you know, like the whole movie, there's this like paranoia of is she alone or are there others like her? There's this almost mystery behind it as well.
1: Yeah. And then in Ex Machina 3, she creates Skynet and then we get like the big battles and we get all the bloodshed and stuff.
0: And Ex Machina 4 is obviously her (laughs) taking over the universe, (laughs) going after the uh, Infinity Stones.
1: Uh, There we go. We get a merging (laughs) with the MCU. Perfect. Loving this. All right. Sadly, let's address the flaws. I have flaws. What are they? Oh, I don't know. I sing in the shower. Sometimes I spend too much time volunteering. Occasionally, I'll hit somebody with my car. The, uh, the movie has great reviews. It was actually kind of hard for me to find a flaw on Rotten Tomatoes, but obviously there are. Here's a flaw that I read uh, from a top critic on Rotten Tomatoes, which reads... Clever novelist and screenwriter Alex Garland makes a half-dandy directorial debut with Ex Machina, a sci-fi film that, like much of his work, fakes excitingly in the direction of something groundbreaking, but it turns into something formulaic. And that was David Edelstein, New York Magazine, and Vulture. So, my question to you, Dylan, is this. Does Ex Machina just turn into something very formulaic, where it's something we've seen, and does that make the movie bad?
0: I have no idea what this person is talking about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. I had a
0: very different experience than this person. I would not call it formulaic whatsoever.
1: It's hard for me to understand which part of it's formulaic because, at any movie's core, there's, yes, similar formulas to any movie. Okay, it's about AI, which we've seen before, but it's not formulaic in its plot, I don't think. Uh, Do you agree?
0: No, absolutely not. In fact, I think we were praising the movie before for leaning into its conceptual ideas more than doing the very normal thing of going for the cheap, no, not cheap, but the cheaply given CGI battle to mm-hmm. make people happy. I feel like that would have been formulaic if, like, Ava was escaping and then the US military showed up and then she was, like, <laughs> destroying them all. I would have been like, yeah, that they really went off the rails. That's formulaic. Uh, that's obviously not what happened. So, uh, yeah. This person and I do not see the movie in the same way.
1: Yeah, that was an ex machina four, David Edelstein of New York Magazine and Vulture. Not ex machina one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, for this movie to be formulaic, I feel like that had to happen, like you mentioned, or you know, something more cliche, like, uh, like a big kind of cliche twist, like like I mentioned earlier, uh, Caleb is also an AI, or Nathan's an AI. Yeah, that would have been very like cliche. something like that might have happened, exactly. It would have been more cliche, and yeah, maybe at that point it would have been formulaic. But I feel like it took a well-known sci-fi trope, and Garland just put a really interesting twist on it that, uh, yeah, I don't really agree with Mr. Edelstein of New York Magazine. But, you know, to each their own, this was particularly the only negative critique i could find this was kind of like the same thing another person i had read said so you know overall most people agree it's a pretty groundbreaking pretty new pretty fun twist on the sci-fi thriller so uh i just wanted to point out one flaw that maybe other people might not uh like about it
0: even though i don't agree it's definitely someone pointed out a flaw that they felt like they found but yeah i don't i don't agree
1: Yeah, I mean, people are going to find flaws in anything. So, you know, it's always important to at least acknowledge them and talk about them. Yeah,
0: to each their own.
1: All right, Dylan, we've talked about the movie. We talked about what we love. We've talked about the flaws. Let's move to another section and let's make some choices. We are who we choose to be.
0: Now choose!
1: I want to ask you this first question. Ava or Samantha from her Which AI breaks the lead character's heart more?
0: Um, well, I would say Samantha didn't ruin Joaquin (laughs) Phoenix's life forever. Uh, Uh, Leave him for dead. (laughs) Um, She left (laughs) him, you know, she did leave him, but she left him in a world to fend for himself.
1: She left him emotionally dead, though.
0: Yeah, emotionally dead, but... He can can recover. I don't think Caleb's recovering anytime soon.
1: I mean, maybe someone finds him and he gets out and then he can... uh, That's a very
0: optimistic way of thinking about it. (laughs)
1: Hey, an ex machina four. that's what it is. The mailman comes and is (laughs) like,
0: oh, I'll never, I'll just go into this house like I've never done before. And then he finds Caleb.
1: (laughs) Okay, I agree with you. Ava does actually leave Caleb for dead while Samantha from her just leaves him emotionally dead. All right, so what's a question you have for me?
0: So which Alex Garland-directed film do you prefer? Do you prefer his first Ex Machina or his follow-up to Ex Machina, Annihilation?
1: So I will say this. I like Annihilation a lot. I did not like it when I first watched it. I have rewatched it since then, and I have uh, learned to love it. I think there are some really interesting ideas in that movie. I think it's definitely a lot more abstract or a little bit more out there in terms of its philosophy and its ideas. But I still think it's pretty cool, and there's a lot to love about it. Ultimately, I think X Machina is just like his peak so far. I mean, he has a lot of his career left, so I'm sure we'll see a lot from him. But X Machina is uh, absolutely fantastic. So I lean Ex Machina. What about you?
0: That's very interesting because I am exactly the opposite.
1: Whoa! I did not expect that. Crazy. Okay.
0: Explain I am, yourself. I prefer Annihilation. And let me explain myself because I actually love both films. But I prefer Annihilation over X Machina because... While Ex Machina presents some ideas that are very fascinating, Annihilation just hits different. Mm -hmm, First mm -hmm. of all, I really like the genre of cosmic horror, which Annihilation is without a doubt cosmic horror. Definitely sci-fi too, but there are some really freaky alien horror stuff in that movie. Um... And it's probably the sh- sub-genre of horror that legitimately scares me the most. Mm-hmm. So, I'm already on Annihilation side. I love Ex Machina, and I love straight-up sci-fi, but the cosmic horror factor really reeled me in. Like I said, the subgenre is what scares me the most, and Annihilation terrified me in the best way possible. I left the movie theater in complete awe. And it just was very visually engrossing, uh, more so than Ex Machina, I think. And that and I think it's a little bit more fun to analyze as well. Okay. And I, I love movies that explore the unknown. And while AI is definitely something that's unknown, I feel like what Annihilation deals with is beyond our comprehension. Um, and AI and God is undoubtedly interesting subject matter for the film Ex Machina to explore, but I was much more perplexed by Annihilation's exploration of alien life that's so far from our understanding.
1: I mean, that's an excellent reason to love Annihilation. I think that might be some of the reasons why people don't like Annihilation because it's subtext and exploring the ideas in the movie. It's a lot, takes a lot more work. I would say it's definitely a lot uh, more complicated. It's a lot to take in. It is a lot to take in. And that kind of might push people away from liking Annihilation. Because I think Annihilation is a pretty polarizing movie. A lot of people love it. And then there's a lot of people who just don't like it at all. The middle ground is pretty small. There's not a lot of people in the middle in that movie. Yeah, I've
0: never never heard someone go, I liked it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like either you really, really like it or it's like you hated it. But uh, I agree I likely brought up the cosmic horror, the sci-fi horror genre, which doesn't get enough love sometimes, but this is a pretty good one. I mean, that whole bear scene is pretty horrifying. intense. Horrifying. I love, love that scene. It's like something I always think about, even though it's horrifying. I think about it all the time. So completely agree with you on that.
0: And that last sequence with Natalie Portman and that alien species, with along with that, incredible score in Annihilation. That score, I can't get enough of it. It's so different. And that scene, not only did it completely scare me all the way to my core, but I thought about it for literally days on end.
1: Interesting. Okay. Well, I I respect the diehard love for Annihilation. I did not expect you to go that way.
0: I'm one of those people you refer to (laughs) who loves it a lot obviously.
1: Yeah. I, I, it's a good movie. I really, I really enjoy it as well. So complete respect there. Um, let me ask you another question that's completely not as deep as what sure. we've been talking about. Sure. We haven't had a chance to talk about one of the best scenes in the movie, and that was Oscar Isaac's amazing dance scene. But let me ask you this, Dylan: Oscar Isaac's dance scene in Ex Machina, or? Tobey Maguire's dancing in Spider Man 3. Which dancing was more random and which one do you enjoy more?
0: Okay, so more random, I'm going to have to give it to Ex Machina because (laughs) that was just so out of left field. I don't know how anyone could have expected that scene. And I hope that wasn't <laughs> what the critic was referring to as formulaic, because that's as pretty far from formulaic as you can go.
1: Yeah, I don't remember any dance scenes in Blade Runner or in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey right, or right. anything else. <laughs> so
0: that's de- it definitely gets points for being the most random. But I would say the Tobey Maguire dance scene in Spider-Man 3 is way more cringe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is that a good or bad thing?
0: <laughs> so I used to think it was a bad thing. I yeah, hated yeah. that scene when I saw it for the first time in a movie theater. And I continued to hate that scene for many years. It used to frustrate me that that was in the movie. But after seeing all the Bully Maguire memes, <laughs> I've had a complete change of heart. And for those Got who it. don't know what Bully Maguire is, it's like this meme that's popped up on TikTok and Reddit of that exact scene of toby just being photoshopped into other scenes and movies and it just makes it makes the scene all the more better
1: yes i actually had a conversation with somebody about bully mcguire and, and if you're listening you don't know what bully Maguire is take two seconds pause the podcast and youtube bully Maguire, you'll see some excellent excellent just video editing of them putting Tobey Maguire dancing in like Endgame and fighting Thanos and doing That's crazy the best things.
0: One. That's easily the best one.
1: <laughs> but um, like you, when Tobey Maguire was dancing in Spider-Man 3, which I have to say is pretty random. I don't think I ever expected a scene like that to ever occur in Spider-Man or like in MCU ever. But which is there not MCU is movie,
0: stupid but. stuff in Spider-Man and in, in the previous two Spider-Man movies. Uh, correct where yeah. it doesn't like it is weird but you can call back to some other moments where it's just like wh- wh- where were they going with that
1: you're right there is more comedy elements to spider-man you know more than ex machina so that scene next machina where oscar isaac just like turns the lights on and it's like disco music playing totally out of left field
0: i used to think that spider-man movies weren't funny at all and now i think they're hilarious
1: <laughs> they're very funny in this scene. Like you, I was pretty upset by it when I first saw it as a kid. I remember being like frustrated and like making fun of it all the time. But now that I have an you know, I've aged, I'm matured, I'm a wise man now, it's a very funny scene, and I can't help but like rewatch it and just love it. It's dumb, but it's so funny to watch. So
0: But the ex machina scene definitely as strange <laughs> as it is, it's not cringe. It's just perplexing.
1: Yeah, it is very perplexing. Scale one to 10, how would you rate Oscar Isaac's dance moves?
0: Oh, the dude can dance, for sure. Dude
1: can dance. Dude can dance. Hey, dance better than I can. That's for sure. Much better than I
0: can. You got (laughs) to give the man props.
1: You know, I'm getting married soon maybe i will have to make this my official like wedding dance this moment right here
0: maybe if oscar (laughs) isaac hears this episode if anyone knows him and can give him a shout out maybe he could give you some lessons
1: yeah some tips some lessons some pointers and anytime anytime wow well i'm glad we got a chance to talk about that dance scene because i knew we were both itching to talking about it yeah
0: it's a great scene to talk about that in
1: that movie let's form some ranks have a couple things for us to rank i think you have some things for me to rank i'll start us off the first thing i want you to rank what are your top four oscar isaac movies go for it
0: so i will admit i have not seen every single movie in oscar isaac's filmography so same here same if if there's something missing that listeners feel like should be on there i probably haven't seen it so number four i'm going from four to one one being my favorite Number four, I'm going with The Last Jedi.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: And I know people are going to start getting their pitchforks, start saying <laughs> I'm not a real Star Wars fan, that the sequels are terrible. I'm so tired of hearing all that. I personally love The Last Jedi, and I will die on that hill. I've been fighting okay. on that hill since it was released, and I just, I just have a lot of fun with that movie.
1: Okay, okay, it's fair. Yeah, Last Jedi is a conversation that will have to be saved for a Star Wars month or a Last Jedi month because it is packed with so much to talk about. Uh, but I will say I'm a fa- I'm I'm in the middle. I, when it came out, I didn't like it. And I've grown to respect it a lot more and enjoy it a lot more. There's still things I maybe don't like. But There's some terrible stuff in it. Yeah, I, I don't dislike it as much as I initially did. And if anything, now I've grown a little bit more respect for it. So... I completely respect you for saying it's great because I think that yeah. there are definitely things about it that are great. The topic of Last Jedi is definitely something that could take another two hours. So let's uh, yeah. let's definitely move from that one. So your fourth is Last Jedi.
0: Right. Number three is the first movie I ever saw Oscar Isaac in. It's not his first movie, but it's the first that I recognized him as an actor. I learned his name and I was interested in his work going forward. And that is Drive. He was really excellent in that movie. I love the style of that movie. I love the score. The synthwave score is really something that I have a um, a weak spot for in my heart. So that would be my number three.
1: Okay, and your number two?
0: My number two would be Annihilation, which Oscar doesn't have. Yeah, uh, we talked about that earlier. But uh, he doesn't have a large role in it, but his role is really interesting. Number one is one of my favorite movies from the Coen brothers. It's Inside Llewyn Davis.
1: Perfect, perfect. I think that's a great number one. Our list is somewhat similar.
0: Yeah, I really want to know yours.
1: So I put in Ex Machina in mine. You didn't put Ex Machina in yours, which I think is fair since that's we're talking about Ex Machina. Obviously, I think if we you put Ex Machina in yours, you I would have high.
0: put it in if we hadn't been talking about Ex Machina yeah. all
1: this so, time. Yeah, so... My number four, I put Star Wars series. Uh, I like Poe as a character a lot. I think Poe is a pretty great character. I wish there were certain things they would have done with him. I do wish more was done with Poe. Yeah. But I do like him as a character. Um, he's the one consistent character that I kind of like. Um, again, we can go on a huge Star Wars tangent another yeah, day. Really. But uh, uh, So I have four Star Wars trilogy. Uh, at three, also, Drive, which I'm a big fan of. I love Drive. And ironically, or coincidentally, this also feels like the very first time I kind of noticed Oscar Isaac. Not his first movie, but the first time I can like actually remember Oscar Isaac and seeing him movie was Drive. So I, you and I share that in common. At number two, I'm actually doing a movie called The Most Violent Year, which is also an A24 movie. Uh, that I highly, highly recommend to anybody who's a fan of, like, kind of crime, gangster-esque movies. It is very good, and I think Oscar Isaac is fantastic in it. Um, but at number one, I'm going with you. Inside Llewyn Davis is my number one Oscar Isaac movie. It is, I think, probably one of the more underrated Coen Brother movies, if I'm being honest. I think that, yeah. you know, a lot of people love Fargo, and Fargo's great, and a lot of people love No Country, also great. But I really do think Inside Llewyn Davis is low-key one of their best it's it's a really great movie and I think Oscar Isaac is just masterful in that movie
0: yeah and Fargo is one of my favorite movies of all time and I would say Inside Llewyn Davis is pretty close to Fargo in my opinion not in terms of the plot or anything like that but in terms of how much I like it it's just I feel very similar about how I feel about those two movies
1: Yeah, I think Inside Llewyn Davis is absolutely underrated. And I I really recommend anybody who's a fan of Oscar Isaac or a fan of the Coen Brothers. Definitely, definitely check it out. Okay, so you and I had pretty similar top four Oscar Isaac movies. So my number four was the Star Wars trilogy, Drive, A Most Violent Year, and Inside Llewyn Davis. My
0: top four Oscar Isaac films. Number four is The Last Jedi. Number three, Drive. Number two, Annihilation, and number one, Inside Llewyn Davis.
1: Okay, so we're pretty similar. Nothing too, like, crazy out of our list. What's something that you want to rank and talk about?
0: So, speaking of movies about artificial intelligence, what are your top four favorite movies about AI?
1: All right, I am so ready for this. When you text me, I'm going to ask you about AI movies. I was like, I'm ready. Bring it on Top four, going from four to one. Four being my, you know, least favorite and one being my most favorite, but four still being a strong favorite. I'm going to start with what I think is my most fun, uh, my most rewatchable, uh, maybe my second most rewatchable. But to me, this movie is like the ultimate hotel movie. It's on TV all the time. I watch it all the time. And that is iRobot with Will Smith. I think iRobot may not be like a deep philosophical AI movie and it's not like layered with subtext but I enjoy this movie so much it's so fun to watch I don't know why I am a sucker for it but I always always turn it on when I can so number four is iRobot
0: it may not be that deep but it is a deep cut
1: (laughs) it is a deep cut I guess uh number three I'm going to ex machina I think that's one of the best AI movies we've seen ever I'm a big fan of it Number two, I'm not sure if this counts as AI, but I'm counting it, and that's The Matrix. I think The Matrix is, like Ex Machina, rooted with some really deep philosophies that I think is pretty mind-blowing, pretty thought-provoking. The action is just fantastic. There's just so much to love about The Matrix, and that's why I have it at number two. Number one, gotta go with the OG. Gotta go with the movie that I fall in love with and I will continue to love forever, and that's Blade Runner. I think Blade Runner is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time, if not my most favorite sci-fi movie of all time. I love the aesthetics of it. I love the music of it. I love the thought-provoking philosophy behind it. I love everything about Blade Runner. I'm a sucker for that movie. So those are my four. What are your four favorite AI movies?
0: So we had a tiny bit of a crossover, but okay. I I, and again, I will say that I excluded Ex Machina for this list because we oh, talked fair, about it fair. so much. So please t- remember that when I'm saying this. But <laughs> okay. number four, I have Her. I think that's a very mm-hmm. unique movie about artificial intelligence that instead of telling a story about destruction or mayhem, it tells a love story, and I think that's just special. Uh, number three, we've got The Matrix. I love The Ooh. Matrix. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's one of the most influential movies of the 90s. So it kind of feels like it has to be on there. And number two, I have Blade Runner, but not the uh, original version. I like the version where they cut out the unnecessary narration from Harrison Ford.
1: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. There's like a bajillion cuts to that movie. So yeah, as, have as long as you seen the one on your list? Have you seen the one
0: with Harrison Ford's horrible voiceover?
1: Uh, I think so, I think so, but like you, I tend to not like that one as much, but I'm pretty sure I know which one you're talking about.
0: I've I've heard some crazy things about that, like that Harrison Ford really didn't want to do the voiceover, so he made it sound as cringy or as bad as he could make it, which I think is really funny.
1: Well, it worked then, right?
0: Sounds like undeniable Harrison Ford of not wanting to deal with some (laughs) BS that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, exactly. And I think it had I think honestly, I think the reason why they made so many cuts was because Ridley Scott didn't want to include the voiceover narration and the studio made him do that because they thought the yeah, movie would be yeah. more understandable that way.
1: Yeah, and that's the perfect example of why sometimes director cuts do matter because they it's necessary what the director sometimes. Yeah, it's it's what the director envisioned, is what they wanted and sometimes the studio overrides that and makes poor decisions. So We've seen it in the past, and that's why the the director cut of Blade Runner is always the best. So, Okay, so
0: that's your number two. So yeah, Blade Runner, the director's cut, number two. Number one, and I don't know how you'll feel about this, but I put Blade Runner 2049.
1: Wow, interesting. I think it is
0: better than the original Blade Runner.
1: uh, Well, I don't entirely agree with that. I think Blade Runner 2049 is excellent, and considering... The amount of time that had passed since the original Blade Runner and kind of my skepticism going into it, it turned out amazingly. I love it. I do love it a lot. I'm not going to say I don't. I still think the original is just slightly better. And maybe it's just because it's the first one and more nostalgic for me. But I love love the second one. I think the second one is is pretty fantastic. So I think that's an, still an excellent choice at your number one spot. I'm sad there's no iRobot on your list, but you know, it's okay. I get, you know, it. I get it's, it.
0: I would call iRobot more of a guilty pleasure for
1: me. It I is think. my guilty pleasure, 100%. Like I told you, it is the like one of the ultimate hotel movies. When I go to a hotel and I turn on the TV... And it's on, like, just going to keep this on right here and, like, sit and watch iRobot. That's feel pretty such good.
0: a perfect way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to use that term more often, a hotel movie.
1: Hotel movie. Yeah, Almost like an in-flight movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So to recap, then, your top five AI movies are?
0: Top five AI movies, including Ex Machina, which we've been talking about. At number five, we've got Her. I think it's very unique, very special movie about AI. Next, we have The Matrix, one of the most influential films of the 90s. It's got to be there. At number three, I've got Ex Machina. Obviously, this is a very important movie to me. It's one of the best of the 21st century sci-fi-wise. At number two, we've got Blade Runner, but it has to be the director's cut. I will not listen to the version with the Harrison Ford voiceover. And finally, <laughs> finally, we've got Blade Runner 2049 which I know some people will disagree and say it's not as good as the original Blade Runner, but to me it is. I respect all opinions,
1: though, regarding it. All right, all right. So then my top five, at five, I'm going to go Guilty Pleasure, iRobot. Yes, it may not be great. Ultimate hotel movie, though. I love iRobot. We'll watch it every time. At number four, I would probably put Blade Runner 2049. I still love it. I think it's great. At number three, Ex Machina which we've talked about the whole episode. Number two, The Matrix. And number one, I'm going OG Blade Runner, always. I love Blade Runner. I love the sequel, but OG is in my heart always. So pretty similar list, though, that we have. Pretty similar list.
0: Both are very valid.
1: Both are very valid. So I have one last thing for you to rank, Dylan, before we go for the day. Ex Machina came out in 2015 and smack dab in the middle of the 2010s. I think an underappreciated sci-fi movie in the sense that not a lot of people talk about it as much as I think they should. Here are three other underappreciated sci-fi movies of the 2010s movies. I think that not enough people talk about, and I want to get your ranking on these four total. So we have Ex Machina. Then we have Looper, which I'm not sure if you've seen Looper, but I'm a big fan of Looper. I have. Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat, whatever the title is of that movie is. And then Upgrade. Wow. Of these four movies, How do you rank them, from your least favorite to your most favorite?
0: That is an excellent question. And I would agree (laughs) they are all very underrated sci-fi movies of the 21st century. So of those four movies you listed, here's my ranking of them. At number four, we've got Upgrade. Upgrade was awesome. It's a lot of fun. It may not be the smartest movie out there, but it knows that and it has fun with the complex concepts it has without getting too complicated with it all. So I really like that about Upgrade. It's not my favorite, but still definitely underrated and still very good. At number three, we've got Looper. Ryan Johnson is one of my favorite filmmakers currently, and Mm. I really like what he did with this concept of time travel. It's a very interesting way of putting a spin on it something that's been done over and over again is the time travel movie and I really thought it was a unique way to frame this way of time traveling which if you haven't seen it you have to see it so interesting number two is edge of tomorrow I love that movie it's what I think it's one of Tom Cruise's best I don't know how you feel
1: I think so Oh, I love it I love it
0: and all I want is a sequel to that
1: Hopefully we get one. Apparently it's in the works. So hopefully we get one.
0: It's been in the works for so long. And (laughs) I just want to, I want to know more, you know, they really left you with that cliffhanger of, you know, him having the abilities he has in the movie. I think they could go in so many crazy directions. What do you think?
1: Oh, I love, I love edge of tomorrow. I think it's completely underrated. It's a universe I was really into. I was shocked by how, you know, fun it was, how the action's great, the sci-fi is great. I think the, I think the Groundhog Day aspect or the Groundhog's Day trope, which we've seen now, kind of a lot of, kind of overdone, you know, still movies are doing well with it. Palm Springs last year was fantastic. That was refreshing. Super refreshing. I am getting a little tired of the Groundhog's Day trope, but Somehow, it really it worked really well for Edge of Tomorrow. Um, so, I am so down for a sequel. I don't know what it would be about. Give me more of the same, and I'd be t- totally happy. So, I am in, um, all aboard the Edge of Tomorrow train.
0: Yes. And that was number two. And obviously, Ex Machina, the movie we've been talking about all along, that has to be number one. Okay. There's okay. really unlike anything out there. One of the best of the 21st century so far.
1: So... I would go. I don't know. I think I want to put Looper in my fourth spot. No, I want to make it a point to say I love all these movies. So me saying Looper is my fourth favorite is just saying that it's just it's, it's edged out by all these other movies slightly. I do like Ryan Johnson a lot, a fantastic filmmaker and writer. There's a lot of things I love about Looper, but I think Upgrade at number three for me just slightly edges it out. I really like Upgrade. I feel like it really knew what it was. Didn't try to be you know anything more than what it was it was just a you know straightforward sci-fi thriller that was just really cool and fun to watch at number two i'm gonna put ex machina uh we talked a lot about it but yeah number one you asked me i love edge of tomorrow i think edge of tomorrow is just one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time i don't typically buy movies very often but i bought this movie because i think it's just fantastic and i want to watch all the time I do think it's one of Tom Cruise's best movies. I mean, he has a very stacked career. So you could say anything Tom Cruise has done is, is pretty great. Well, almost anything. But I think that Edge of Tomorrow is definitely one of those movies where I would rewatch it all the time. And I want to see more of that world. So my list is going Looper, Upgrade, Ex Machina. And then at number one, I'm going Edge of Tomorrow. And then your list is going
0: number four. We've got Upgrade. Number three. We have Looper, number two, we have Edge of Tomorrow, and number one, Ex Machina.
1: Okay, all right, perfect. I mean, again, I think that there's no completely wrong order to this list, because they all have their merits, but they're all pretty pretty great sci-fis. That I, I hope more people end up talking about them, because I do think that none of these movies get enough love Definitely. on the internet. So, well... Dylan, we have reached the end of the podcast. We've talked a lot about Ex Machina, about sci-fi, about biblical references, uh, about Oscar Isaac's dance moves. It's been quite an episode. It's been quite the episode. Final thoughts on Ex Machina before we go.
0: Ex Machina is the kind of movie that, let's be honest, you're not going to want to put on on a Saturday night to chill, but it is one of those (laughs) movies that if, you want to think a lot and have conversations and think about for days after or maybe weeks months years it's definitely the movie you're going to want to watch and it's great sci-fi that yeah. i think is definitely one of the most interesting concepts surrounding ai
1: it is a sci-fi movie to its core and if you're into sci-fi but are tired of you know cliches or something that's predictable while I don't think this movie has like an insane twist or anything, I do think it does dive into some areas that a lot of sci-fi movies don't. And that's why I tend to recommend it to anybody who's like, I love sci-fi movies. I'm like, We've seen Ex Machina? Yeah, you should watch Ex Machina.
0: It definitely comes up in a lot of conversations regarding sci fi nowadays. I've realized, oh, yeah, as soon as you start talking about modern science fiction, Ex Machina is bound to appear in the conversation, appear in the chat, if you will,
1: <laughs> exactly. And for good reason, uh, we both love Ex Machina, a movie we both recommend. We have now, though, officially reached the end of our episode on Ex Machina, Dylan. Again, thank you so much for joining the podcast and discussing Ex Machina with me. Please remind everybody uh, where they can find you, where we can find you on social media.
0: So once again, thank you so much for having me on again and so soon. It's really cool to be back and talking about movies once again with you. But if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on TikTok at CinemaNation and I'm going to go through the members last time because I sadly forgot one member last time and it was something I felt bad about and I <laughs> would like to fix. So, the members of cinemination that you should definitely go and follow besides the cinemination account. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with the one I missed last time. It's my friend Justin. He runs the account CEO of Films. He's great, definitely worth a follow. And then the other members which I mentioned last time but still are just as deserving of that follow are It's Olivia Jordan, Legend Edits 12, and Legend Rising 12, Top List 69, and Movie Rankings 32. And I think I got all the members this time. There we go. Uh, yes. Besides Every
1: myself.
0: <laughs> uh, but they're all great. And my personal account is just Dylan.av on TikTok. So. If you already follow Nation or you already follow those members and you want to see my account, it's just at Dylan.av.
1: Perfect. So as you heard, follow everybody from Nation, all the members' accounts, and Dylan, of course. You can find us on social media at House of Cinema on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. Uh, Give us a follow. If you're listening on Spotify, if you hit the ratings and drop a review, very much appreciated. Uh, Next week, I am back. Sadly, 824 April has come to an end. However, this brings a new month of May, to which we have dubbed MCU May. Dylan will likely be back in May to discuss an MCU movie. Maybe we'll do a mailbag and discuss some MCU questions you guys have for us that you wanted to talk about. Who knows? The world is our oyster, and we'll have to figure that out. But uh, please stay tuned for next week as we will be discussing an MCU movie. Again, Dylan, thank you so much for being on.
0: Thank you for having me. And regarding your MCU, May, I think if you want to hear us talk about it, like Thanos says, it's inevitable. It Um, is. So (laughs) I'm excited to come back potentially and talk about some great Thanos scenes.
1: Oh, yeah. I think a requirement of those episodes will be to do Thanos impressions. So prepare your Thanos impressions. Prepare all the MCU quotes because it'll be a fun time.
0: I got Josh Brolin on speed dial. (laughs) (laughs)
1: perfect uh thank you everybody for listening and we'll be back next week